Good morning. Good to see all of your smiling faces. I think Nathan and I have both used that. He's, he's up here a lot more than I am, so he's, I love that. Isn't it wonderful to be here? Isn't it amazing to be here? It is. If you're visiting with us, we certainly want to welcome you. There's been some swapping around. If you look on the schedule, there's been some swapping around, so you're stuck with me today. I hope that what we say will be beneficial to you, most importantly, according to the Word of God. I'd also like to mention a few that are an encouragement to all of us. Sister Bobby's here this morning. She's got a heart cath coming up, and she's had, had heart valve problems. She's an encouragement because she's here. Brother Bill's still weak. He can't hardly walk. He's an encouragement because he's here. Karen's here. Keith is struggling. Vic is here. He had his foot cut on, getting ready to have surgery. These people are an encouragement to all of us, aren't they? It's good to be here. Good to be here. I want to ask you a question this morning. I'd like to ask you a question. What are you going to be remembered for? Well, money, I'm not dying just yet. What are we going to be remembered for? Or better yet, what do you want to be remembered for? Well, I'd like to be remembered as a good dad, as a good grandfather, maybe as a good friend, as a good Christian. I'd like to be remembered those things. We all want to be remembered. We all want our lives to mean something. When, when we go through this, these things in life, when we go through the problems in life, when we have these struggles, surely somebody could learn something from that. There's a problem. Our memories are real short, aren't they? We want to be remembered. We want to be remembered. You know, you can find anything on the internet, and because it's on the internet, it's got to be true. But they tell me that 735 million people have lived and died in the United States since its inception. How many of those do we remember? And how many would we remember if we were not legally required by the state to take history? Not many. Not many. What are our chances of being remembered at all? We won't be remembered. How about if we accomplish something? How about if we're amazing in our education and our knowledge set? What if our skill is matchless? If we hit 100 home runs, we score more touchdowns than anyone else. All these things, skill, bravery. How many CMA award winners can you name? That's the Congressional Medal of Honor, awarded to the bravest of the brave. Service above and beyond the call of duty. Extreme bravery. I can't name any, can you? How about people, do you know anyone that's lived over the age of 110? long life, maybe, maybe that would guarantee and ensure that we would be remembered. Magna Carta, they tell me, is in 1215. I have to look because <laughs> I wrote it down. <laughs> One of the most important man-made documents of all time. And 25 barons defied the King of England and signed this particular important piece the first Bill of Rights, if you want to. Now, it wasn't a Bill of Rights for everyone. It just applied to these 25 barons. <laughs> but it, you got to start somewhere, right? It was 
We demand certain rights, an incredible document. The founding of our Declaration of Independence, can you name any, of the, do you know any of these people? If, if we're talking about accomplishments here, something that would make a lasting impression on people, I don't know any of these people. Roger de Montbigon, I don't have any idea. How about the Declaration of Independence? Our founding document. Do we know? I, I've got highlighted three because two of our presidents, and we kind of know a little bit about them, and then Benjamin Franklin, we know a little bit about him. Talking about memorable accomplishment. Some of these guys signed it in great big letters, some signed in little bitty. Wouldn't you love to have had your name on that document? But you look at those guys and you're going, well, maybe not. What's it going to be like in another few hundred years? Accomplishing something monumental won't ensure that we'll be remembered. Doesn't make much difference. Doesn't make much difference. Matter of fact, the older we get, the less memorable we become. Why is that? Well, we all start to look alike. If you witness a crime and the, and the policeman comes to you for an artist's sketch, about all you have to say is he was an old white guy. That's about it. He, he may have been a man of color, but as we get older, we all, now from the neck up, about the only description you'd have to tell him is, I'm an old, it was an old white guy that did it, and he had this amount of hair on his head or on his face, and he was either heavy or fat. We become very less memorable the older we get. We pretty much all start to look alike. Sorry, guys. That's just kind of the way it is, isn't it? And some of us don't have to grow old at all to become very forgettable. Some people we would just as soon forget right now. Unfortunately, that's the case. Hope I'm not one of those, but hopefully so. We're all going to be forgotten. Fact of life. And we keep pictures in a box. Got a box of old pictures. Everyone, I assume everyone does. And you pull a picture out, who's that? Well, if the name's not written on the back, we don't have a clue who that is. Well, he looked just like the other guy over here. Okay, this one had a hat on. This one didn't. This was in overalls. This guy didn't. And under the, under the bed where the box is, by the time it goes through another couple of generations, we're totally forgotten. And our memories are fade are going to fade. We're going to be forgotten. We don't matter. Is that what you're trying to say, Monty? We don't matter. Well, it would certainly seem that way. Maybe we matter to our kids. Maybe our grandkids. Do you remember your great-grandfather, great-great-great, hopefully grandmother, hopefully? Hopefully we've got some greats here that are remembered, but I don't remember my relatives very well. Darlis never met my granddad. He was gone before dad's dad. Those memories fade, don't they? 
Does that mean we don't matter? You know, the wisest man that ever lived was Solomon. 1 Kings 3, 11 and 12, you can check me on that, tells us that there was none wiser before, nor will there be after. You would think he would have something to say about this. 1 Kings 3, 11 and 12, if you want to double check me on that. The Bible said he was the wisest man that ever lived. Now, we can debate the wisdom that he possessed because what he asked God for was wisdom and understanding to judge the children of Israel. So it seems that that's probably the wisdom that he was gifted. What does he have to say about the subject? He's got a lot to say about wisdom, doesn't he? Ecclesiastes, the first chapter, getting started in Ecclesiastes, he said, there is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of the things that are to come by those who will come after. We're one of those things, aren't we? Verse 12, I, the preacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I set my heart to seek and search out by wisdom, by this wisdom that he had, he had uh, been gifted, by wisdom concerning all that is done under the heaven. This burdensome task God has given to the sons of men by which they may be exercised. I've seen all the works that are done under the sun, and indeed all is vanity and grasping for the wind. An exercise in futility completely without value. Everything done under the sun. That's us. That's us. Verse 15. What is crooked cannot be made straight. What is lacking cannot be numbered. I communed with my heart, saying, I said to myself, he was also very humble. I've attained greatness. <laughs> I've gained more wisdom than all who were before me in Jerusalem. My heart has understood great wisdom and knowledge. He's probably just stating facts here. He understands that that was a gift from God. And as a result of that, verse 17, he said, I set my heart to know wisdom and know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is grasping for the wind. In much wisdom is much grief, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Everything under the sun is vanity, vexation of spirit, grasping at the wind. We've heard recent sermons about how ridiculous it is for us to try to grasp at the wind, how vain and totally without value that exercise is. Not just in Ecclesiastes 2, but the rest of Ecclesiastes, Solomon set forth to experiment with this wisdom and learn about pain and pleasure, wisdom and folly. And he took it to the extremes in every direction. He built houses, vineyards, gardens, orchards, pools, landscaping, and he did irrigation. And the houses that he built was not a three-bedroom, one-and-three-quarter bath these houses, as everything he did, had to be amazing. In all likelihood, were something we could never even approach today. He did all these things. He hired servants because he had to be entertained and served 24-7. <coughs> Entertainers. 
He managed huge, huge crops and flocks and herds. Accumulated remarkable wealth. Sum it all up, he achieved preeminence in every area. God blessed him in everything he did. In building, farming, ranching, architecture, engineering, teaching, finance, even psychotherapy and analysis. How did he do that? Well, y'all know the story. The two ladies come in, both of them claiming this baby. He said, fine, give me a sword. We're going to cut it in half. The true mother said, no, no, she can have the baby. The woman who was not the mother said, cut him in half. We'll each take a half. Solomon knew who got the baby, didn't he? It took him that long. He's a young boy when he took, took this over, at the very least a young man. So he set out to do this grand experiment, and in doing so, he became the wisest, wealthiest, and most powerful man on earth. Not close. And what did he conclude? We won't be remembered. Everything that occurs under the sun is vanity, is completely useless, worthless, And we're no better than animals. No better than animals. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 18, he said, I said in my heart, again, he's talking to himself, with regard to the children of man, that God is testing them, that they may see that they themselves are but beasts. For what happens to the children of man and what happens to the beasts is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. They all have the same breath. No man has advantage over the beasts, for all is vanity. Is that true? Is that true? I'm not going to tell you that everything Solomon said is true, because we know better than that. These were the cynical conclusions he came to on his own, under the sun. But you know, we're taught that today. We're taught that very same thing today. We're no better than the animals. We do not matter. We're not going to be remembered. What's important is this earth, Mother Earth. We have to preserve it at all costs. And if it costs people their lives, then so be it. We're told that we don't matter. We're told that we're on an equal par with a rat with the lowest form of vermin that we could possibly imagine. We're taught that. Here's a headline from the New York Times earlier this year. It says, humans are animals. Get over it. Get over it. Underneath that, it says in big letters, it's astonishing how relentlessly Western philosophy has strained to prove we are not squirrels. Our children are taught that. We're taught that. We have no value. We're going to be forgotten. We don't matter. Nebuchadnezzar was was cursed by God to go crazy for a period of time. That's seven periods of time. We assume that to mean seven years. But for that length of time, he was driven out of the castle as king of Babylon and driven out, and he grazed with the cattle for this period of what we assume to be seven years. And at the end of that time, he writes down his conclusion. He got his senses back 
In Daniel 4 and verse 34, here we're quoting Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel 4, 34, at the end of that time that we're talking about here, Nebuchadnezzar lifted, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. His dominion is everlasting dominion. And his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? No one can question God. And he's right in the regard of God versus us. We are nothing. We're going to be forgotten. We are going to be forgotten. We know that in our own lives. And in the sight, in relation to God, esteemed, reputed as nothing. Does that mean we don't have any value? Does that mean we don't matter? We're going to be forgotten. Mankind is going to forget us. Of that we can be assured. good news is we do matter to someone. We do matter to someone. And we know some of these passages. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3, 16. So evidently, God cared about us or he wouldn't have sent his son. We're going to forget each other. It doesn't mean that we're not totally forgetful by our fellow man. I don't care what we do or how hard we strive to not be forgotten. We will be forgotten. But there's a superior beam, being who places importance on us. Okay, we have some value. According to God, we have some value. Jesus put it this way in Luke 12 and verse 6, talking to his disciples, he put it this way, are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? And not one of them is forgotten before God. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. We're not equal with the animals, are we? Bible tells us that God holds us in so much higher regard than the animals. We have value to God. We have no value apart from God. None. Appreciated the reading the morning. Thank you, Isaac. Appreciate that. I'd like to look at this passage a little closer and see what exactly Jesus is saying there. He said, I am the true vine, John 15, verse 1, and my father is the vine dresser. Jesus is, is the vine itself, the trunk, okay? Of course, God is the owner. Verse 2, every branch in me, in Christ, the branches that come out of that trunk, if you've raised grapes or seen grapes, Vines, you see how that works. You have a good-sized trunk. Sometimes it's big around. Sometimes it's huge. But the branches come out of that. 
every branch in me, in Christ, that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it bear more, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me or continue in me. And I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. In Christ. I think you know where I'm going there. In Christ. We know how we have to be in Christ and we have to abide in Christ. Romans 6 tells us in many other places. Romans 6 tells us how we arrive to that place where we find ourselves in Christ, where God places us in the body of his son. Romans 6 and 3, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ, baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death? And then he explains that. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. Christ died and was buried and arose. We were baptized into that death. Just as Christ was raised, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Okay? In Christ, we're participating in his death, but his death, burial, and resurrection, the old man of sin dies, our sins were washed away, and we arise to walk in newness of life. We understand how that works, hopefully. But John 15 here, what we've read so far, tells us that's three parts. Christ tells us three things. We must choose to be in Christ, to be a part of the body of Christ, to be baptized into Christ. Number two, we have to remain in Christ. That's a choice also and bear fruit. Those three things, three things according to to Christ here in John 15, continuing that reading, verse five, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Not just a little, much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and withered. What's he referring to there? If we're not in Christ, if we choose not to be in Christ, if we choose not to remain in Christ, tells us that the branch is cast out and withered. You ever stacked firewood? cut them in the length to fit neatly in your fireplace and you stack them so they dry and wither. But that firewood that we're cutting has a use. That firewood that we're cutting provides light. It provides warmth. It's very useful. No use here. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, is dried, continuing on, and and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they're burned. This fire is not useful. The fire that we're talking about here is like leaves in the fall. 
undesirable without value. Provide nothing for mankind. Apart from Christ, without abiding in Christ, without bearing fruit, we're bound for the bonfire. We don't have value. Not in a useful way will we, will we be burned. We will be burned with the undesirables. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. Verse 9, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and your joy may be full. We can choose to have value. We can choose to be remembered. We can choose Christ. We can choose him. We, knew God, we know that God loved the world. So much that he sent his son. So we know that there had to be some value there for him to pay that price for us. But it's only in him. Only in Christ. Those who are apart from Christ are cast aside and withered. They're put on the rack to dry. We have value. First Peter 2 Verse 9, but you, that's his disciples, that's the church of baptized believers. 1 Peter 2 and verse 9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. That you may claim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now are the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. This is true individually and collectively. We have to choose. We have to receive God's grace. It's a free offer for everyone. We must choose to matter, to be remembered, to be redeemed. Hosea 4 and verse 6 tells us that the alternative is very clear. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. That thou be, shall be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. Not only will we be forgotten, but our actions will leave a legacy for our children. My sins will not be imposed on my children, but the influence that I have will certainly influence them. Will I leave that legacy to them so God will not only forget me, but forget my children and my children's children? Forget them as well. We must choose to become part of Christ, to remain in Christ, and bear much fruit. We kind of struggle with that last one, don't we? 
Yeah, we kind of struggle with that last one, bear fruit. Okay, that's kind of vague. Okay, we know how to get in Christ. We know how to remain in Christ. Or wise, rise to walk in newness of life. Walk in the spirit. Bear fruit, much fruit. Well, Monty, that's pretty, pretty vague. Okay. Classic fruit of the spirit. Probably all know this passage. Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithness, gentleness, self-control. Against us, there's no law. Well, and all of these are pretty subjective, don't you think? All of these are inward, are they not? Afraid not. Every one of these is visible. Every one of these are tangible. There's nothing abstract or theoretical here. Well, I love, and I love people. I may treat them badly. A battered spouse usually hears that. I love you so much that, you know, you know I didn't mean that for the hundredth time. I feel things more deeply. I'm more passionate. So that gives me an excuse to be rude and condescending to people. There's nothing abstract here. All of these we know are tangible. Solid, visible. Matter of fact, they are the result of the actions that we take in life. John said, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. We can feel it all we want to. If that doesn't manifest itself so others can see it, not bearing much fruit. Let me go back. Matthew 5 and 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We don't keep our faith in here. The fruit of the Spirit is what people see in us. They can't see it if we don't do it. We can feel it in our heart all we want to. Good intentions don't matter. Doesn't mean we're going to succeed. We're going to fail miserably. Hopefully that will be forgotten. Are we bearing much fruit? Are we using this fruit of the Spirit to draw people to Christ? So that others may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Bear much fruit. Are we doing that? It's been a tough couple of years. It's been a very tough couple of years. But I think it's very instructive for us to look at ourselves, look in the mirror, and say, do you want to be remembered? There's only one way to accomplish that. Be in Christ, remain in Christ, and bear much fruit. Christ said that. We want to be remembered right here, right in this life. 
certainly we want to be remembered afterward, but right now, we want the blessings of God right now. The psalmist said, 106 and 4, he said, Remember me, O Lord, with the favor you have toward your people. O visit me with your salvation. We want to know that salvation now, don't we? Visit me now. Let me see your salvation now. Verse 5, that I may see the benefit of your chosen one, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation, that I may glory in your inheritance. I want to do that now. We can all do that now. We can choose to matter. Not because we ourselves matter, because we can be part of Jesus Christ, who is the only thing that matters. We can choose to be remembered, not because we're going to be remembered by each other. We can choose to be remembered by God. And certainly at the end, we want to be remembered. The thief on the cross, just moments before he knew he was going to die, just moments later, what did he say? Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom. We want, we want the blessings of God. We want him to be mindful of us now, and he is. But ultimately, we want him to be mindful of us when we come to the end of this journey. We want to be remembered. For what? For being one of his children, for being in Christ, for working to remain in Christ and working to bear much fruit. Pick up songbooks, please. Pick up songbooks, we're gonna extend an invitation anyone that doesn't know that God is mindful of you, that God remembers you, remembers your name, counts the hairs on your head. For anyone who doesn't know Christ as their redeemer, anyone doesn't know that they have a home in heaven where, where we will be remembered with God Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and his angels forever. Who doesn't have that assurance today? We want to be remembered. We want to matter. We're not going to matter to this world. But we matter to God. We can choose that. Choose to accept his grace. Is there a gospel subject in the audience this morning? We have water, we have clothing ready to assist anyone that might want to obey the gospel this morning. Or if there's something between you and your God, don't delay. It may be something you can take care of yourself. We encourage you to do that. Or if we can assist in any way, please come forward. Make your wishes known as we stand and sing.